This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. I am delighted and proud to introduce him as Academy Award winner. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to the winner. It's a tie. And any little girl who's who's practicing their speech on the telly, you never know. Mom, I just want an Oscar. I'm Katie Rich. It's a special Emmy Nominations Day episode. We are gathering to parse through it all as we're all still figuring out what is even in the nominations. Um, I'm here with Richard Lawson. Hello. With David Canfield. Hi. And Rebecca Ford. Hey. So we're also pouring over the list of nominees. Uh, but Richard, just to get us started, what stands out to you? So was the big story this morning Hulu? Because I feel like they way overperformed uh, based on what I was expecting. I mean, the big story to me is still HBO, but let's start with the little, the little. The <laughs> we little do enough that... HBO on this and still watching. <laughs> no, but I, I I agree with you, Richard. I do think they really overperformed, and I I thought it was for shows that were really exciting. You know, I I loved Tiny Beautiful Things, and um, to see Welcome to Chippendales also perform. I think these are shows we watched and were aware of, but maybe didn't realize that the Academy also had really enjoyed and was going to reward with that kind of attention. Yeah, I I think with the Academy having to make some tougher choices, particularly the acting branch, just in terms of not being able to list off like every actor uh, that they like, uh, it allowed some slightly smaller shows with really good performances break through and Hulu's kind of a, a model for that. Like, I didn't think Welcome to Chippendales was the best show of the year by any means, but I really can't argue with any of the performances they recognized. I thought Emily Ashford and Juliette Lewis were really terrific, and it was really exciting to see Camille Nanjiani make a pretty competitive Best Actor lineup. Uh, And then with Tiny Beautiful Things, exactly what Rebecca said, it was a really wonderful, really small-scale human show. Um, It's the kind of show that would benefit from this system. So I think in general... The way Disney has structured itself, Hulu is the place where it's, you know, more experimental, adventurous content goes, and that got a little bump today. So it gives us hope, I suppose, that Hulu is not going to be, you know, devoured by the Disney machine. It, it, this is a good showing for um, a streamer whose fate, I think, had been a little bit up in the air. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Disney itself, Disney Plus, did well, too. I was surprised by Obi-Wan, certainly, and yeah. Andor getting in. And I'm wondering with all these shows like Chippendales and or Obi-Wan getting in, what glaring thing do we think therefore got shut out? I mean, I think Blackbird was the big shock of limited series. I wouldn't even say that as somebody who thought that the show had a ton of buzz when it aired or, you know, had the best reviews, but it was a show that 
had done really well, like at the Winter Awards with the Golden Globes and the SAG Awards. And so it just kind of felt like it was one of the strong contenders there. Um, it's really hard to tell, like, which shows from the summer and fall last in voters' memories. <laughs> like, if you told me that Chippendales would have seemingly lasted better than Blackbird, because uh, it got more acting nominations, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, but clearly it did. So that that was the one that jumped out to me. I don't know, Rebecca, if there was one that, that you noticed in Limited. No, I think that's definitely the one. I, I, w- I was... I feel like I was predicting pretty high for Blackbird. Um, you know, yeah. Paul Walter Hauser won a lot of things in the the Guild Award season, and um, he was nominated. But yeah, it just it. I mean, Chippendales and Blackbird, I guess, feel like they were on three years ago. So <laughs> it is always a curious surprise uh, what what show is going to last and stick around like that. So apparently, it was Chippendales. Yeah, I think elsewhere in limited series. I mean, you guys know that I'm a huge fan of Amazon, Jeff Bezos. I love everything they do. I support the company <laughs> 100%. One Prime member, yeah. Um, <laughs> Daisy Jones and the Six and the freebie show, Jury Duty, like, it was a big thing. That was big for them, right? Like, I, I feel like those two things were... I, Jury Duty, I suppose, more was on my radar, but I, I assumed Daisy Jones was not going to get any traction. Maybe that was just my my blinders were on because I didn't care for that show. But um, again, Amazon is just in the middle of a lot of negative reporting about their streaming service and how many people are watching or not watching their shows. Um, And here maybe is a slight glimmer of hope um, for a show in the case of Jury Duty that was a sort of unexpected zeitgeist hit on a newish network called Freevee that's an ad-supported streaming network. And then Daisy Jones, which I think they wanted to be bigger, wasn't. But now maybe it gets a little boost in attention late in its life. Can I offer a counterpoint? Yes. (laughs) I think that the nominations for Amazon this year reveal a kind of identity, reveal the identity crisis that we are seeing reported out, where it's a real mishmash. One of their most heavily promoted shows, Emmy season-wise, was The English with Emily Blunt, which got zero nominations. Another was Dead Ringers with Rachel Weisz that got one nomination. And those were both these expensive, auteur-driven, movie-star-led shows that were meant to have an Emmy embrace. I think a show like Daisy Jones, uh, it did have a bigger audience than those shows for sure. And I don't know that it's, you know, it's barometer of success is as dependent on Emmy success as those shows were even though it is a I would say a pretty big surprise that it got say like multiple acting nominations in addition to that limited series nod and jury duty kind of existed in this whole other realm on freebie um before I still don't know how to get to freebie I just want to be I, want to <laughs> I think a record. lot of people don't I mean it totally blew up once it was officially a prime video show and I don't even know what that transition exactly looked like. But yeah, I think it's, it feels like they don't really know what they're doing. And they made a lot of good shows in the past year. And so some of those were recognized and some of the maybe less good ones were also recognized. But I don't know that that would alleviate any sense that this is a strange grouping for a network. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, to, to your point, David, I sort of forgot about Dead Ringers and other hopefuls <laughs> that Amazon had. Um, and Katie, uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which is right. uh, in there somewhere, but all 
all technical nominations, the most expensive show anyone's ever made. I mean, Swarm performed well for them, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Swarm. I was um, really happy to see Dominic Fishback. So to answer your question, Katie, to get to Freebie, you need to watch every single thing on normal Prime streaming and then a sort of thing unlocks. Yeah, yeah. All so right, so I got to get through Citadel. Yeah. I think okay. you're allowed to watch either Citadel or Lord of the Rings Rings of Power and Fall. And, and, then, you <laughs> and then you get a little Freebie reward. <laughs> I mean, I was I was doing a rundown of which streamers did well, and I think all of them like have a feather in their cap. Like uh, Obi Wan Kenobi overperformed, so that's really good for Disney Plus. Um, but we do have to just talk about HBO on top of everything, right? The top three nominations uh, totals were all HBO shows. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's wild. It and all in the same category. So good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have to we have to give some credit to the fact that HBO is one of the last places out there that is really doing traditional airing of content, you know, like, Mm -hmm. obviously, with Max in the mix like that, you know, people are watching HBO shows in all manner of ways, but they do if you want air on Sunday nights, you know, and I know other streamers are doing week to week release and, you know, that has, you know, it's a similar format, but like sometimes what that means is an episode goes live at midnight. You know, it their people aren't sitting down on their couch together to watch something at the same time in the same way that they are for HBO. And I think that permeates, I mean, they're making good stuff too. That, that's top of the, the, the reasons why, obviously, that HBO is doing so well. But I don't know, it kind of feels like the combination of quality content and the fact that HBO still represents a feeling of tradition and normalcy in the vast, confusing chaos of of television right now. I think, I don't know, I think that means a lot. And I think that's been consistently reflected in recent years at the Emmys. Did anything surprise you guys about HBO's haul? I think we all expected Succession, Last of Us, and The White Lotus to reign supreme here. But The White Lotus got more acting nominations than it did last year, which I did not think was possible. Um, anything else stick out to you guys about these three shows in particular? Well, I was very mm. curious if Succession was going to beat um, Game of Thrones has the record for most nominations in a year, which is 32. So they didn't quite, they got 27. So they didn't do that. But I thought there was going to be totally a possibility and they weren't far off so i guess they don't have like prosthetic makeup and right god just should have put on some fake noses on some people (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so obviously technically uh game of thrones has that but it it was close and it could have happened i think i think for me yeah i was looking at the last of us total which is huge 24 Mm, and initially i was like Whoa. But if you actually look at the nominations, I mean, it did have a unique ability to give guest actors showcases, for example. So it actually makes sense that it dominated there. So for me, the biggest surprise was The White Lotus, which, as you shared with me, Katie, and kind of shocked me, got actually more acting nominations than last year when we were all sort of freaking out (laughs) about the amount of acting nominations it got last year. I mean, the way that the voting system changed in a way that is very evident on this nominations role. And yet, The White Lotus was able to have the majority of supporting actress nominees again yeah. and get four supporting actors nominated as well. The supporting actor lineup is literally two shows between White <laughs> Lotus and Succession. And it, it it just blew everything out of the water yet again. And and I don't think I was expecting that. We'd heard a lot about Megan Fahey and Aubrey Plaza. You could look at F. Murray Abraham and or uh, Michael Perioli as, as people who were probably going to get in. But beyond that, it was just like the amount of love for that ensemble remains so strong. 
And the White Lotus bump is real. Mar- Murray Bartlett got two nominations for shows mm-hmm. other than the White Lotus. I mean, obviously, he wasn't in the second season, but him showing up for Chippendales and his um, memorable guest turn on Last of Us, like, um, the the impact of White Lotus is massive, you know, and yeah. um, I think puts a lot of pressure on that third season, which is, I think, coming under a little fire already because of its East Asian setting and people are concerned about how that's going to manifest. But like, I don't know. I, I, I'm both like, I'm sure Mike White is thrilled, but also terrified right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have a while before they're going to film anything. So, you know, the pressure's off. True. Everyone That's goes true. Strength. That's true. Uh, I just couldn't believe they nominated Lucia, but not Mia, of that pair of people. Like, I didn't see either of them getting nominated. Um, and I'm, you know, very happy for Simone Tabasco. Um, but splitting up that pair felt wrong to me. Um, and just talking about shows dominating in the guest categories in um, drama both of them are just succession in The Last of Us, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And like, look, as much as I love Anna Torv, um, you know, from Fringe and Mindhunter and all that, like, that's an interesting nomination for Last of Us. She's good in her episode and a half, I feel like. But um, maybe there was a little bit more wealth to be spread um, in some of these yeah. nominees. I mean, Ariane Moyed wasn't in much of Succession. James Cromwell wasn't in much. Like, he's they're very good when they're in it. But And I know it's a guest thing. It's not supporting. But... Um, I don't know. I would have liked to see a little more variation because oftentimes the guest categories are where you see some fun, random, you know, Emmy nominations from people you forgot were on TV this year. Shout out to Harriet Walter, nominated in comedy and drama, guest actress. Um, let her win both. Go for I it. Again, right? Yeah. I think she's done that two years in <laughs> did a row. She, did she really? <laughs> I think I, so. I missed her being on Ted Lasso, unfortunately. I hope that Murray Bartlett has her over for drinks in Provincetown and they just talk about like, oh, our two <laughs> Emmy nominations each. <laughs> The Run for Revoke is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am Fran Libowitch. Um, who should be the mayor of New York? We all support yeah. that. We support that. Very <laughs> <laughs> <Right> nice. <laughs> Nikki. Yes. It's been really great she being in this beautiful pink room. All right, Asher, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are. <laughs> On the podcast, you'll learn how Vogue really works. Sometimes we'll come in for a second or even third run through until we are AWOK. Can you tell us what AWOK means? It means um, A-W-O-K and a winter OK. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. And we're the hosts of The Run Through with Vogue, where fashion and culture collide. Join us. It's AWOK. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. David and Rebecca, you guys are doing this snubs and surprises rundown. So um, what are some other highlights for, that you guys have been able to pick out or, uh, or shockers? 
Well, I, I, I think everyone was kind of waiting to see how Yellowstone in 1923 did. It's like every year we're, we have this discussion about how popular, you know, the Taylor Sheridan universe is with viewers. And every year it doesn't, it just cannot break into the Emmy race. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it felt like Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren, like what more do you need for nominations? Um, but neither of them got nominated. You know, the shows were just just left out once again. So I think neither of them got nominated for anything. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, at the TV Academy, it's just like, uh, and David wrote about this, they're just not playing the, the movie star game. They're just not. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, it's just not enough to get a nomination. I mean, their performances are, are quite good in the show, obviously, and there's going to be a second season. Um, but and I feel like Taylor Sheridan's doing okay without these nominations. But we, <laughs> He's his ranch. his millions of acres <laughs> to not fun. think about this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I was kind of curious to see if this might be the year with 1923, but it wasn't. I almost yeah. feel like if they they kind of oversaturated the market before they could really get momentum for the original show, Mm -hmm. you know? And now all Mm -hmm. of a sudden it's like, wait, I have to pick between three different things from the same universe and okay, never mind, you know, or maybe it splits votes or however it works. Or there is the possibility that the Academy just doesn't like those shows. (laughs) Yeah. I just think it's like the NCIS audience equivalent, honestly. I mean, for the post network, post cable world, it's just not an audience that I think corresponds that much to the TV Academy. Uh, I think some of us had predicted that Harrison Ford might get in for 1923 or for Shrinking. And the fact that Shrinking got two acting nominations for Jason Segel and Jessica Williams and not for Harrison Ford. Like you said, they weren't playing the movie star game, but like Harrison Ford made two TV shows and everyone's like, mm, okay. That one's kind of bizarre. I mean, he really is, I think, the standout of Shrinking. It's yeah. a really lovely performance and... The acting, I mean, Shrinking did not do very well. It didn't get in anywhere else except for the acting branch. Um, That was another pretty pricey campaign from what I understand for Apple. So that had to be a bit disappointing. But I I just don't really understand if you're not going for that show that much, going for the, you know, Jessica Williams is not as big of a name as Harrison Ford. It's it's a really interesting combination there because Jessica Williams beat out some notable people. She beat out Lisa Ann Walter for Abbott Elementary. She beat mm-hmm. out Sarah Goldberg for Barry, who was really hoping could get in That's for the that final season. That might be my craziest snub pick. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, Jessica Williams is great in the show, so it's not undeserved. It's just because that show is so much weaker than those other shows, it's it's quite bizarre that she was able to leapfrog, whereas Harrison Ford was not. So I don't have an explanation for that. Why do we think Poker Face didn't get in in, in like best comedy? You know, obvi- it has nominations for Natasha Lyonne and Judith Light in, in a guest actress spot. But like, I love mm-hmm. that Judith Light nomination. You have this like Ryan Johnson show f- packed with interesting actors and a great star turn that was recognized. And it just feels like it's odd to me that you know, it's 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 a new, it's a freshman, you know, and so maybe people are, are leery of that. But like, um, when you have worse than Wednesday, or <laughs> what is it? <laughs> is is it, it's, it, it's it's certainly funnier than the bear. <laughs> based on our predictions, it got beat up by jury duty, really. Like in our list of predictions, we had everything right, except we had poker face instead of jury duty, um, which, you know, that's what, what people loved, I guess. But also, Katie, you mentioned most of these streamers have a feather in their cap. I don't know that Peacock does. And this was a big year for them. They didn't get Poker Face into comedy series when it really was a breakout hit. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it should have been able to make it in there. It's it's a bit surprising that it didn't. And the traders in reality competition program, yeah. I mean... I know that category, it is very, very hard to be a new show and get nominated there. But 
it was such a hit. It had so many recognizable reality stars from shows that have been nominated there that I, I really expected it to be able to make it. Um, and the fact that Peacock couldn't get either through is not a great sign. It just probably means there's just not the viewership because both would seem to be up the voter's alley. Yeah. I guess more people are watching Amazon Freebie just because they don't have to pay for it. And that's how they get more eyeballs, even if no one knows where to find it. So you're saying they should change it to Freecock? <laughs> <laughs> um, can I circle back to comedy for a minute and ask about Abbott Elementary, which did not do badly at all. It got um, eight nominations total, um, but it missed in writing, which is where Quentin Brunson won last week. We said Lisa Ann Walter was predicted to maybe get in for supporting actress. Is that, you know, I thought it would kind of walk away with the top comedy prize this year, but it makes me wonder if it's um, not as beloved as I thought it would be. Yeah, I, I think The Bear is the front runner now. That's my personal take. Yeah, it. I mean, Abbott got more nominations than it did last year, but the the writing nomination is very conf- uh, lack of writing nomination is very confusing because she did win last year, and I feel like the writing got even better on the show in the second season. So, it's one of those things where it makes me just want to look at the rest of the field and figure out what's going on. I mean, I think Ted Lasso overperformed. Yes, we were kind of, uh, you know, not expecting it to do as well as it did in the first two seasons, and it and it definitely did. So I think we have to can kind of consider that. And, and as David's saying, the bear is just such a strong contender. But yeah, it's it's definitely surprising. I mean, I feel like Cheryl Lee Ralph obviously has a chance in acting again. And um, they got they got all the same acting nominees as they did last year. But it does make you kind of wonder if it's as strong of a contender in series as we maybe thought it would be. Speaking of writing for comedy, if you're Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider, you get nominated <laughs> for a very funny episode of the other two, um, maybe the funniest of the season. Definitely. Do you go? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a good I mean, the, if people, if listeners aren't aware, they are embroiled in some controversy about their uh, workplace behavior, kind of working people too hard, etc. And I think it's a deserved nomination because I think it's a very funny episode. But like that, I think that's that show as its lone nomination. That shows an, an odd, an awkward spot. I would say. Is that their first nomination for the other two? I think so. Yes, yeah. it is. I mean, they submitted really smartly. It was just the one episode. And it, it. I had some hope it could get in because it was such a, you know, the season got a lot of attention and it was really funny. But yeah, that's an, it's a bit of an awkward finale, final season embrace right there. I mean, it's proof that they can notice new things sometimes. <laughs> like it is not just Shit's Creek that can really dominate in its final season. Uh, and, and the writing branch is always the place i think to do it you know mm-hmm. they they also recognized bad sisters which got in in a few places yeah uh which i was happy to see um and i, I want to talk about the tv movies that oh, the always. writers of tv movies mm-hmm. that have been nominated on mass the last time any tv movie was nominated for writing was 2015 wow and it was hello ladies the movie <laughs> as Wait. well as bessie what is Hello Ladies? Hang on. I feel like I Hello know Hello Ladies is. was a Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merton, Merchant show. Or oh, maybe Lordy. just a Ri- Stephen Merchant show. But this is my point. This, okay, is a, okay. this is an era of television that is long past. <laughs> <laughs> and this year you had such an unusual trio all make it through. You had Fire Island, which I was really happy to see Joel Kim Booster get nominated. Yeah. Um, Weird, which was probably the likeliest, um, just because it, it had a lot of attention, and uh, it's getting Weird Al a nomination. Emmy uh, nominee Weird it. Al. Who, who yeah, can argue with that? Yeah, he wrote it that? with uh, Eric Apple. And then Prey, the Hulu horror movie, 
which also got into directing. I think it has like six nominations. And usually TV movies, it's the only nomination you get is TV movie. So this was a huge breakthrough. And I think also spoke to the fact that the limited series this year were not particularly strong with voters because, I mean, by definition, therefore you only have three limited series who were nominated at all for writing, which is quite low. Yeah. Yeah, I want to apologize to everyone who I led a story about a small light, which I really just thought was going to pop in there and uh, didn't, uh, even though it was worthy in the limited series category. Um, but maybe that speaks to some of that that fuzziness there that you're talking about, David. Yeah, I mean, these are big campaigns, but we have to always ask who is actually watching these. And it, it, it has felt the last few years like these limited series that premiere in the spring just are not clicking even as there's a lot of noise around them from the networks and the studios. And again, you had shows like Fleischman is in Trouble, From the Fall, Dahmer, really stick around, really do well. But other than Beef, and I guess Daisy Jones, it just, it was not a good day for those shows. Yeah, who had their money on um, Obi-Wan Kenobi getting more nominations than Love and Death? I certainly did not. (laughs) Good for Jesse Plemons, though. I don't know how that happened, but good job. Well, because Love and Death takes place before the prequels, right? Like, so it's just like it's a, it's confusing in the Star Wars timeline yeah. when Candy Montgomery did that thing. <laughs> Where does Jessica Biel fit into that? <sighs> well, that's a great question. Well, Jessica Biel created Obi-Wan, so she's <laughs> having the last laugh. Um, I thought it was great that Joseph Lee and Young Mazzino um, both got nominated for Beef um, to roles that could have been sort of just like the hapless men in each lead character's lives, you know, the the dopey brother and the sort of clueless husband, but they turned them, I mean, the writing and their performances turned them into something much more dynamic and deep and interesting. And I think that, um, that, that it's really great that they were both recognized. Uh, and that show, I mean, just did better than I had hoped, I think, uh, even. Yeah, it got two directing noms, which I feel like is quite a a feat. Um, Dahmer also got two in that category, but uh, I, I, I mean, I think we all knew that show was going to do well, but I think it, it really stepped up. Yeah, very smart to run that as a limited series, whatever its future may be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there... smart, corrupt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Strategies being what they are. Know that fizzy feeling you get when you read something really good, watch the movie everyone's been talking about, or catch the show the internet can't get over? At the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, we chase that feeling five times a week. We talk about the buzziest movies, TV, music, books, and more. From lowbrow to highbrow to in-between, catch the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. I'm speaking of the directing categories, I just noticed. I don't think it's Tim Burton's first Emmy nomination, but like his other one was for something really bizarre. Um, so he got a, an Emmy nomination for directing Wednesday. And I don't know, Tim Burton might win an Emmy. Who would have seen that coming in 2023? <laughs> um, speaking of old things, Katie, our dear old friend Oppie <gasps> showed up at the he Emmys. Did? Uh, Angela Bassett I didn't was nominated. Yeah, Angela, Angela Bassett. Bassett. God, yep, for she... voiceover. Oh, that's one of my favorite categories. My and that's where Pedro Pascal got his third nomination. Yep. Yeah, and Mahershala Ali's in there. Um, that's a fun category. And I, I, I Angela Bassett really does help make that movie. Yeah, um, she does. So I, I'm very glad to see that little, perhaps overly cutesy <laughs> robot documentary get an, a recognition. It's uh, five actors of color in that category, uh, including you're, you're, Barack Obama. I was about to say, you're killing Barack Obama <laughs> as an actor, which is, Damn you know. right. <laughs> five narrators of color, sorry. 
Why does he narrate Obi-Wan? That didn't make, never made any sense to me. <laughs> Jessica Biel, just that connection. Yeah. <laughs> she, she called in a favor. Yeah. Mel Brooks got a nomination for character voiceover performance for History of the World Part II. Uh, he's 97 and about to get a, a honorary Oscar, so really can't stop Mel Brooks. Well, both the honorary Oscar governors people, Bassett oh, yeah, and Brooks. Oh, yeah, him and Angela Bassett. Interesting. I would love it. Uh, if they, they can have be... a little party before the big party. Yeah, they should go to that ceremony with their Emmys in hand. I think Brooks was the only man nominated in that category, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, Julie Andrews, Alex Borstein, Maya Rudolph, Wanda Sykes, and Ali Wong. Crank Yankers is on and got Wanda Sykes an Emmy nomination. Didn't know that. Yeah. We should also note that there are new uh, game show categories this year. Oh, is that a new category? Uh, host for a game show, I think, is new-ish, at least for primetime. Uh, and Kiki Palmer is among the nominees for Password. Uh, I love that. I hope that gets her closer to hosting the Oscars, which is what I've been um, angling for forever. Also, uh, both Maya Bialik and Ken Jennings got nominated for hosting Jeopardy. I know. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know how you're supposed to choose between the two, honestly. Not the producer who tried to hire himself. <laughs> Somehow that guy got left out. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a huge cloud of uncertainty holding, hanging around the Emmys. Obviously, we don't know if the Emmys will happen in September as planned. Uh, all signs to point toward it not happening in September, uh, provided the actors do go on strike, which as of this recording... Hasn't it happened, right? It didn't happen in the 30 <laughs> minutes we've been on this call. Um, so we don't know. We don't know if we'll be talking about these nominees until January. We don't know if we will be able to talk to them. I feel like I've kind of made my peace with the uncertainty. David and Rebecca, you guys are more in the thick of it. Uh, what, what's the level of anxiety feeling about the Emmys going forward? From what Hi. we understand, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would be quite unlikely if yeah. there was a show in September, to be honest. I mean... By the time this is up, maybe we'll know if there's a strike or not. But yeah. um, a second strike. There's still a first yes. strike. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you're, you guys are going to get to listen to us figure it out as it happens. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in the meantime, I'd love to hear from listeners about uh, what stood out to you from the nominations. You can tweet at us. You can email us at littlegoldmenvf.com. Twitter is VF Awards Insider and Instagram. Um, and on our own, I'm at Katie Rich and Richard. Rylaws. And David. David Canfield, 97. And Rebecca. Rebecca M. Ford. Our editor and producer is Brett Fuchs, and this week's award for the best idea we've had all year goes to Richard Lawson. They should change it to Freecock. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. 